0: bug
1: ladies and gentlemen welcome back to Sherlock! look sure listen the podcast that takes a pop at culture sure look sure listen 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 sure look sure listen, shur look, shur listen.
0: Shur look, shur listen. Very good, Benjamin. I nearly couldn't hear you because you were so tiny because of your shrunken vocal cords. But sure, look it, we don't have time for any size changing related messing because we have to look at Extrapolations, the show with all of the casts. And we have to look at the dramatic retelling of the story of Tetris, the dramatic restoring of retelling of the story of Baba Yaga in John Wick four, and you've put the trailer for Shadow and Bone season two on here, and I don't know what that is or what season one was. And you, one Benjamin Josephus Colopy, have seen The Last of Us Episode five, and both of us in a rare bout of serendipity. Because we went together have seen Ant-Man and the Wasp at Mania.
1: Sure listen Michael if that wasn't enough and it really isn't you need much bigger things in a weekly pop culture podcast you can't have tiny little amounts of information Michael it doesn't work so we're going to be taking a look at Honey I Shrunk the Kids that classic 80s shrinking shenanigans film and we're going to take a look at Why? Why? Why are men so obsessed with their size? Sorry, I meant, why are we so obsessed with our size as a society when it comes to shrinking films?
0: Everyone's always tried to shrink down, but Benjamin, I'll tell you one thing that's not shrinking down. It's the cast list of the upcoming show, Extrapolations. My, Michael!
1: Michael! That was a great segue, wasn't it? Who in God's... It was buttery smooth, Michael. Yeah, yeah, Who yeah, yeah. in God's name has gotten all these people together,
0: Michael? How have they done it, Ben? Some of them aren't even in the trailer. Michael, there's so many people. To name but a few, Michael. Meryl Streep. I've heard of her very famous, The Devil Wears Prada. She was in it. Yeah. Noted bastard, Toby Maguire. Yes, uh, Toby's game. It was about him, remember? Michael, it says here, David Schwimmer. I didn't see David Schwimmer in that trailer. Didn't see him, Ben. Didn't see him. Maybe he was stuck behind a couch trying to get a couch up a stairwell.
1: Michael, the Eternals are in it. There's bloody Gemma Chan and Kit Harrington. Both of them are in
0: it, Ben. Cersei and Dane Bowers. That's
1: not his name. It's, it's not. But anyway,
0: Michael, it's got Forrest Whitaker in it and noted big French superstar Marion Cotillard. Benjamin, everyone I've ever heard of is in it. The only person I've ever heard of who isn't in it is famous actress Diane Lane.
1: She's she's there, Michael. She's just off screen. She's in, the, in it, in is she? Okay. All yeah, oh, right, I
0: didn't realise that she was in it. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you who else is in it, Ben. One person who I've heard of who isn't in it for a change is up-and-coming in-everything lady, Isa Gonzalez.
1: At least she's not in it. Who's Isa Gonzalez, Michael? I feel racist for not knowing.
0: <laughs> Isa Gonzalez, Ben, was in, among other things, Andor.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah
0: among other things, Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh,
1: what a classic, Michael.
0: One of your favourites of last year.
1: One of one of my favourite films that I didn't see last year, yes. Ed Norton is in it,
0: Ben. Ed, uh, one Edward
1: Nortington is in it, Michael.
0: I tell you what, Ben, it's about the future and there's global climate change and everything. But the future looks almost exactly the same as the present, but everyone's feet are sopping wet. Yeah, it's it's all flooded, Michael. It's all
1: flooded. Mm. I like it, Michael, because one of the things that intrigues me about this, Michael, and it, it's it's very on the nose, but it comes from the producers of C- uh, Contagion, Michael. Oh, which you which you remember? Once upon a time, Michael, there was a darkness that swept across the land, and nobody yes. really talks about it anymore, Michael. But we called I don't it even COVID. Remember.
0: Don't even remember. <laughs> yeah,
1: and uh, they they made a film a couple of years before that, and that turned out to be bang on the money, Michael.
0: uh Oh. Are they trying to use their prescience men to do it again?
1: Well, Michael, I think that's the whole thing in the title, extrapolation, isn't it? That's what it is, Michael. It's to take existing data and to imagine or project what it might end up being.
0: Oh, in 20 years' time, we can do a podcast episode looking back on when we had an atmosphere.
1: Yeah, that would have been nice. Do you remember when we could
0: breathe? That was good, wasn't it? When we could breathe and our feet weren't always sopping wet all the time.
1: Oh, man. Do you know what I miss, Michael? Dry socks.
0: Yeah, yeah. And not having trench
1: foot. Oh, trench Trenchfoot's the worst, Michael. Just mm. the worst. It, 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 unfortunately, Michael, it triggered my immediate millennial climate anxiety. So I didn't quite enjoy the trailer because I was like, this is all happening. This is very real. I don't like it. I don't like it. Matthew Reese is a very, very smug rich man at a table, Michael. And he says, we'll be dead. It doesn't matter. Let's just make some money. And I was like, "Oh, everything will be fine. Yeah,
0: everything will be fine. Marianne, call it. Cotillard. I don't want your ent- you making entertainment out of my real world problems I
1: don't want it I don't, don't want mo- this Yeah
0: um, Michael, I do though i watch it It looks quite interesting It does, it looks quite good And what a cast Ben, I don't know if we've mentioned the cast, have we? Michael, it's basically, basically
1: a shopping list
0: It's huge Massive Benjamin, wasn't um, Contagion kind of the same though?
1: Yeah, it just has all these uh, stars and bit parts, Michael. We didn't, yeah. Michael. I don't know if we mentioned this, but we didn't even see everybody who's on this list in the trailer.
0: I did mention that, Benjamin. Remember, oh, I said it, and David Swimmer wasn't there. Did we talk David about David Swimmer not being there? Yeah, we did. Remember, he was stuck in a stairwell going pivot with a with a couch.
1: Oh, he, he pivoted. Exactly.
0: Maybe he was on a break, as they say,
1: Ben. As Benjamin.
0: <laughs> speaking of yeah. extrapolating real world situations into entertainment. Yes. Well, who's going to get Tetris out of Russia?
1: Michael, come here to me. Come here to me. Do Go you know how I know Hollywood is scraping the bottom of the barrel? Go on. There's, there's two trailers that came out this week, and there's only one of them on this, this run and order, Michael. But look, I've said it before on this podcast. We're living in late-stage capitalism, Michael.
0: Yes, you've unilaterally decided that. Go on.
1: Yeah, and things aren't going very well, Michael. Right? If you're if you're any sort of working class member of the public, then, like we're getting fucked, Michael. Let let's be honest. First of all, Benjamin,
0: I've seen your house. You are very much not working class. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair, so, Michael. You let me wait, posture my working class roots.
1: You get out of here. You
0: roll that neck back in a little bit.
1: <laughs> but anyway, everybody's getting fucked, Michael. And I'm alright. One of the things that I've I've noticed as a little bit of a trend, Michael, in the last year is I, th- I think the old Hollywood directors are, are starting to fetishize, you know, the, the magic capitalism of the 80s a little bit. I'll go on. The, the well, 70s and 80s, I suppose, capitalist. in this particular case. So uh, one of the trailers that we got is Tetris, which we're about to talk about in a second, Michael. The other one that we got is Air, and it is the story of how Nike went from a rags-to-riches company by... Capitalizing on the hard work and effort of a young black man in the NBA, known as Michael Jordan, did you see the trailer for this during yeah. the week? I didn't. Isn't he one of the richest men in all of sports? He is now. Yeah, he wasn't then.
0: Yeah, You're right. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. I don't know if that was a, a situation where Nike unfairly capitalized on his image because no, I'm seizing on it. The Michael, richest, he's one of the richest men in sports, Ben. He is richer than you and I and all of our families for the rest of existence. His net worth is higher than all of them.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Go Woke or Go Broke, where feelings don't (laughs) care about your facts. I'm choosing the narrative. Oh, very good. And this is what I'm going with.
0: He's one of the greatest beneficiaries of late-stage capitalism of all time. Yeah, he probably is. he's He's good at a basketball game. He's good at a game. Yes. And he's one of the richest sportsmen in the world. And he has wealth beyond our imagining.
1: No, Michael, he was exploited. Um, come here to me, Michael. It doesn't look <laughs> like
0: it to me, it doesn't.
1: Come on, <laughs> sorry, come here, on. Let <laughs> me settle down, Mickey. Um, listen, Ben Affleck's directing it. He's having another go at Argo, but this time with shoes.
0: Oh, Argo with shoes. Because when they were Argo. running down that runway and no one had shoes, it was very tricky. They're like,
1: ah! And ah, Ben Affleck said, ah, I will make ne- <laughs> a story about this.
0: We're <laughs> We're never going to get in this plane without shoes. Benjamin! Yeah. Is Tetris about late stage capitalism, though? I thought Tetris yeah, Tet- was about trying to smuggle uh, video games out of
1: Russia. So it sets up like a classic dynamic, Michael. It's okay to hate the Russians again. It's good news. It's good news. Hooray! Thanks for that invasion, lads. <laughs> Mildly Middle Eastern or Arabic men are out. Russians are back in. Fuck them. <laughs> it's a whole I can thing. watch Commando again. <laughs> and happily cheer as commies are gunned down by the dozen. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, we've gone, we've gone full full circle on the American capitalist machine, Michael And we're back to boo-rooskies Boo, Ruskies. boo. Uh, I'll tell you what though At
0: least it's not a film about it's, At least it's not a dramatisation of Tetris At least it's yeah. not an adaptation of the game Tetris
1: we, I, think, I think we had that a couple of years ago, Michael Do you remember Pixels with Adam Sandler?
0: Yeah, that's pretty much what that was
1: yeah that's that's what that was it was Tetris the life story that's that's what we got this is this is about the man who smuggled it into america michael so or smuggled it out of russia mm. and uh, it starts taran egerton michael noted noted member of the bloody kingsman taran egerton yep old Eggsy himself old Eggsy himself he's a great great man great some man, man for, for smuggling
0: tetris out of russia um, some man it's a very interesting It's a very interesting story, Benjamin, the story of smuggling Tetris out of Russia. I don't know if you've ever read it, but as you know, I have quite an interest in retro video games, so I know the story quite well. It looks like they've dramatised it up a little bit with more gunfights than really happened.
1: Oh, I'd imagine they have, Michael.
0: (laughs) You'd want to, wouldn't you? You'd want to. It
1: it doesn't sound the best on paper. Tell me a little bit about this, Michael. What happened? What can we expect from Taron Egerton's Tetris?
0: Well, he's going to go and he's going to say, give us a go at Tetris. And everyone's going to be like, we can't, uh, you can't have Tetris, it's for Russia. And then he's going to be like, no, I want to give it to the Japanese. And everyone will be like, oh, is that is that good? I'll tell you what though, Ben. You know what other trailer came out this week? Go on. We, you know what came out this week? Another trailer. Actually, the same trailer for, what's it called? Ruse de Guerre? The Jason Statham, Aubrey Plaza spy film? Oh yeah, that thing that we reviewed a while back and never came out. About a year and a half. Is this Eighteen months ago? It feels like that trailer was a lot time ago. It's Guy Ritchie, ago. isn't it? And bloody It's Guy Ritchie and Statham. Yeah, they're back together again. And Josh Hartnett is in it. Yes. And Hugh Grant is playing creepy old Hugh Grant, the only character that Hugh Grant plays anymore.
1: Wait well, he just he's just cashing in, he knows where his money is, Michael, I can't blame him. <laughs>
0: Put your money where your grant is. But Benjamin, yeah, for some reason they re-released that original trailer this month. Why? It seems like it's going to come out.
1: I I was fully certain, Michael, that that got the Indiana Jones treatment. It was just in a basement somewhere in a big wooden box.
0: Just hide it away. I thought it might have come out. But Benjamin, I'll tell you what is coming out. Go on. No, not this week. What's coming out this year is John Week 4. This time it's... I feel like I've seen this trailer before. Did we not talk about this months ago?
1: Yeah, we did. We got a trailer, but we got another little snippet there very, very recently, Michael. Um, a little, a little teaser trailer, Michael. A little teaser trailer is what we and got. What snippet did it? Not much, not much, Michael. But I have been able to possibly piece together the full plot from.
0: Oh, go on! I'd love to hear it.
1: So I think what's happening here, Michael, is uh, obviously we have the whole. You must. You must challenge the 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 lad at the table to a bloody scrap and if you win yeah. you win and if you don't you die woo but michael then i reckon some of the lads are going to try and stop him getting to the thing because uh, what's his name clancy clancy brown is it is it mr crab Mr. Krabs. Yes. Yeah. Mr. Krabs is in it. He's in this. So. Oh, very Mr. Good. Krabs is in it, and he's stating the rules. He's the jewel master, Michael, and he says you must appear at dawn. And then, it. it I reckon if failure to do so will result in death. And I reckon, oh. Michael, there's going to be a bunch of lads trying to stop John Wick from getting to his jewel on time. That's why we keep seeing that. Um, I'm guessing they won't. I. I. I would imagine Michael that is the reason he keeps checking his watch and fighting people on the steps of Montparnasse. Just being like
0: Oh, oh God, he's God. gonna go like oh I better check what time it is. Alright, time to fight these fellas. Time to oh, yeah. kick some
1: <laughs> time to kick some ass. Um but Michael, do you know who I feel wonderful for in all of this? Canu Reeves. Keanu Reeves, number one, well done. Possibly the four most successful action movies of all time. Who would have thought, Michael, we would be talking about John Wick 4?
0: Not me. Old not Baba me, Yaga sure. himself. Old oh, Baba Yaga. It doesn't even make any sense.
1: <laughs> they They dropped that conceit so fucking quick, Michael. <laughs> Once somebody pointed at them, it was like, Baba Yaga is an old witch in Russian folklore. Yeah, it has- does not apply to the boogeyman. And mm. everybody just goes, she- oh.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, Shit. Not, that's not what we meant.
1: Shit. Yeah, it wasn't great. I think, Michael, I think, funnily enough, um, in in relation to something we'll probably talk about on this podcast, Michael, do you remember in Ant-Man 1? Yes, go on. David Dalmatian's character, who I cannot yes. for the life of me remember, he plays stereotypical Russian man number one. Victor? Victor. Yeah, it would be that. If it's not that, it's something very, very similar. I think it is. But, i look at he, he claims that bl- one bloody Paul Rudd is Baba Yaga. And I reckon somebody was watching that and went, oh, it'd be cool to make an assassin Baba Yaga. So I think it's a double mistranslation because Baba Yaga is an old witch lady from Russian folklore and not a boogeyman at all.
0: I think that John Wick 1 came out before Ant Man 1, though.
1: Well, somebody read it wrong somewhere. That's all I'm saying, Michael. <laughs>
0: well, that's exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. Is somebody read it wrong and thought, um, and thought, yeah, Baba Yaga is like a cool, scary boogeyman of Eastern of Slavic mythology, not an
1: old lady who runs around in a chickeny house, in a chickeny house, and a soup bowl with a big old ladle. Doesn't, yeah, no, just weird one. But uh, Michael, come on, we're going to watch it. We're going to have a good time. We're going to go see it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and who actually did very well out of this is the wife of John Wick. She's back. She's the most avenged woman, Michael. If they fuck this, and it turns out that she she was always at at the table, she had a seat at the table the whole time, and she She faked. She was at the
0: table the whole time, Ben. And the dog. (laughs) And the dog. The dog. He has to jewel the dog. (laughs) The dog is back. Uh, Eventually, played my.
1: He played Kurt the Dog. He played Kurt in the the Ant-Man show.
0: (laughs) Yes. Benjamin, we will definitely watch John Wick 4. I tell you something, though. What I won't be watching is Shadow and Bone Season 2. What even is that?
1: Michael, Shadow and Bone Season 1 came out uh, a couple of... I think about two years ago now. I think it might... Well, maybe it was a year ago, Michael. That would make more sense. On the Netflix. It's a YA adaption, Michael, from Lee Bardugo. Why uh, a ah. novel publishing sensation, Lee Bardugo?
0: I'm going to need you to tell me all about it as the youngest adult
1: that I know. That, which is really <laughs> unfortunate for you, Michael, because I am not that young. But no, no, uh, no, come here to me, Michael. It's better. Go on. Uh, Shadow and Bone is set in a world uh, full of elementals, Michael. A bit like Avatar the Last Airbender. Right?
0: Oh, where everyone's doing fire or wind or water or whatnot.
1: Yeah, but if it was set in kind of a European medieval fantasy, it's like if, student, if Studio Ghibli got their hands on a on an airbender, you know.
0: Isn't that pretty much airbender?
1: Uh, no, that's set in a that's set in a fictional kind of Asian uh history. Yeah, very much so.
0: Is it are the are the ice people not like native Americans?
1: They're Inuit or loosely yeah. based on it. Okay. Yeah, so it, it's it's more of a tribalism thing, but in this, Michael, it's very much European Everyone. society's House of Nobles shenanigans, right?
0: Oh, the Victorian era, Benjamin.
1: Yeah, and Michael, there's there's two beings within this world who are completely different from all the others. Oh, mm-hmm. Shadow and Bone. Yeah, you're very very close, Michael. There's a Darkling. Oh, he sounds and, and that's played by one Benjamin Barnes, Prince Caspian himself. Prince Caspian himself, old Dorian Gray, dusted off. You know, he's he's in there. And there's a lightling, Michael.
0: Oh, a lightling. That doesn't sound really yes. intimidating at all.
1: And one of the things, one of the conceits of this, Michael, is that the Darkling is the right-hand man to the king of one of the kingdoms. And he, way back in the day, brought peace to the land, but in doing so, created a huge gulf of darkness across the land, right? Oh, yeah. And that gulf of darkness can't be travelled through easily. It's a perilous journey, Michael. You enter into a big smoky cloud, and if you make it through to the other side, that's great. But it's not that simple, Michael, because that What's darkness in is inhabited by gargoyle pterodactyly carnivorous boys. And they swoop down Ooh. and they get you. Yeah. Oh, I don't want and it. No, it's no good, Michael. It's no good. But what we find out, Michael, is we thought that it was Benjamin Barnes' great-great-great-great-grandfather. But it turns out It's old Benjamin Barnes himself Now this is a season 1 spoiler For a show that came out A year ago Michael So I'll have okay. nothing said Right? He's, he's some sort and of immortal is he? It, yes he's sort of an immortal Michael And what's happening is He finds the lightling Michael And he thinks Everybody thinks Oh he's going to train her To contain the darkness Because she has the mystical power Of separating the darkness Because she can control light itself Michael Oh Yeah It's a classic chosen one trope Why a chosen hmm. one trope for a young lady. And we we all think it's going to go well. Michael, it all goes tits up. It turns out he's a big evil bastard.
0: I knew he was a big evil bastard even when he was big Prince Caspian. Bastard. Or Jigsaw from the Netflix series, The Punisher series 2. Exactly. Exactly.
1: And Michael, the best part about this show was the strange Cockney subplot that was happening just under just alongside it. There's there's a crew of Cockney kind of Londoners and oh they're gonna do a bloody fucking hoist. Oh yeah. And I think you're talking of Carnival Row. Uh, it's it's basically Carnival Row, Michael. If you were to look up pictures of the Cockney crew from this, they would be indistinguishable from Carnival Row, Michael. Hmm. But anyway, at the end of season one, Michael. They boot the old Darkling off the ship into the mass of darkness and they think, oh, that's the end of him, Michael. He'll be devoured by Gargoyle boys. We don't have to worry about him anymore.
0: But Michael. What? What is it? I bet you
1: he's in charge of them. Yeah, at the end of season one What does he do in the little post credit sequence? Strolls out of the darkness With big shadowy boys beside him And we find out in this trailer, Michael Oh no, the Darkling's back And he's got a shadow army And he's unstoppable And what did they do, Michael? What did they do? Run away It's a it's a bloody object quest So now the, oh, the Lightbringer Oh, yes it is <laughs> Go and <laughs> find the three
0: objects Just it's like Boss Machina season two <laughs> Go and find them Go and find it's the objects four <laughs> She has to find yeah. the objects Ben
1: so Now the Lightbringer has to chase those down She has her love interest from season one Who'll stick by her no matter what Are you with me? You know I am It's There's loads of YA tropes in there Michael It's great stuff um, But it's coming out I enjoyed season one Michael I probably shouldn't have I probably should have had my critical thinking cap on a bit more But I enjoyed season one So I'll probably go and I'll watch season two Michael
0: You are as I say Benjamin The youngest adult I know You've seen... The Last of Us episode five. You haven't. We're not talking about six yet, Benjamin, because this this show comes out either on Sunday night or Mondays here. So we're probably a bit early to be spoiling it. That's why we're a week behind, not because we got mixed up,
1: <laughs> not because we're shit at our jobs. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> come here to me, Michael. The Last of Us episode five has us back on track, Michael. As you know, we've had a bit of a roller coaster run here, where I've sometimes found the video game conceit of this a little bit. Tough to stomach, Michael.
0: Oh, Benjamin, you have talked about this. We talked about episode three, it was Frank and, and yeah. Beans or whatever the yeah. names were. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, not Frank and Beans at all. Frank and Bill, Michael. And it was Frank one of the Bill, best yeah. episodes of television I've ever seen in my goddamn life. And episode yeah. four wasn't too bad after that, Michael. Not too shabby. But again, it lost me a little bit. But Michael, no 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 The action, tension, and drama in this one, oh it's magnificent. It's oh, very mag. Good. Magnificent. Um, we meet two uh fan favorite characters here in this one, Michael. And their names Frank
0: is- and Beans. <laughs> Frank-,
1: <laughs> Frank and Beans are are with us, and yeah, oh Frank and Beans are the best. No, we meet hang on, I'm gonna have to look them up. This is great podcasting, ladies and gentlemen.
0: This is absolutely great podcasting, Bill King. and Ted.
1: It's not Bill and Ted, stop fucking with me. We meet uh, Jay and Silent Bob Yes We meet Jay and Silent Bobs, And the lads from Clerks As they continue to try and run A small convenience store In the apocalypse mm. Randall yeah. and Dante Randall and Dante Take on the clickers So one of the things that we have uh, oh, I hate searching for stuff on the fly Michael Drives me nuts No that's why you're supposed to do a bit of prep Yeah so we meet Henry and Sam, Michael, and these are two favorite characters from the show. they are a pair of brothers in this, Michael, um, and one of them is uh, profoundly deaf. Oh, yes. Um, and communicates with his brother through sign language. And they're an adorable pair, Michael. They're very wholesome. And Pedro Pascal is like, I'm not helping these people. And Ellie is like, you got to help these people. And they form a bond, Michael, and it's beautiful. And they have to escape Rose from Two and a Half Men. Remember Rose from Two and a Half Men? No, I didn't want okay. two and a half men. Who's they have Rose? to escape Rose from two and a half men. Oh she- I
0: do know the actress though. The yeah. she's um she was um she was she was uh Leonardo Di- DiCaprio's age and looks appropriate wife in Oh no, the planet's gonna get hit by a comet. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It was That's weird. What- it was weird seeing Leonardo DiCaprio with someone about his age.
1: Yeah, that's why that's why they wrote her out. He was just like I can't do this. It's not realistic.
0: Yeah, yeah. That would just blow up the whole planet. Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio's going out with the someone planet. in this their fort. This
1: is as realistic as a comet wiping us all out. Um uh, yeah. but come here to me Michael, um she's she's back and she's very dramatic in this, Michael. But what we get in this one, Michael, is the best example of the infected and the clickers that we've gotten so far. So, it turns out they they pass a, a quarantine town in episode 4. And the quarantine cool. town has been liberated liberated from Fedra, who is the the government fascist authority in in this particular world, and the people have taken it back and we get a little hint uh, Michael one of the characters says the best thing Fedra ever did around here was push all the infected underground, and then we got a very ominous scene, Michael, where the floor was pushed upwards um oh, as if there was a mass of something underneath it, you know,
0: and in oh, this one the zombies.
1: The, That finally pays off, Michael. We get a scene where um, they finally make it to the outskirts of this town, Michael. They go through a tunnel that's supposed to be infected with clickers, but isn't. And they come out the other side and they make their way towards the town. But lo and behold, Michael, Joel has to go and take out a sniper. He has to go and do an L sniping job. And in the middle of that, he ends up in a clock tower while Ellie is down below with Sam and Henry. And Michael, wouldn't you know it? the bloody militia turn up and Rose is out for revenge because it turns out that one of the brothers ratted out her brother as head of the militia to get treatment for the little fella who had leukaemia at one point. So it's all very dramatic. Oh, no. All very human, Michael. Mm, um, much
0: better than The Walking Dead.
1: Much better, Michael. Much better. So they're being hunted down. The pacing's much better. The zombies are much scarier. They're not zombies. I've had this pointed out to me. We'll get to that in a second. But come here to me, yeah, Michael. They are. No, they're not. Get out of here. We'll get to it in a second. Right. Come here to me, Michael. Come here to me. I'm here. So. I'm listening. They crash a big truck into a house. The truck collapses through the floor. And what comes out. Only hundreds of clickers. They all race oh, out no. and start taking everybody down. It's absolute pandemonium, Michael. It's absolutely fantastic. It's so well shot. Bella Ramsey absolutely nails it. Pedro Pascal continues to be my favorite actor working today. He's so good up in his clock tower, just protecting bloody Ellie. He's like, boom, got him, boom. And there's a crazy little kid clicker. And ah, oh, it's terrifying stuff, Michael. But you know where it becomes the last of it in its truest form, Michael? Go on. At the end, we find out that poor, deaf, Sam or Henry—I can't remember which one is which—he got infected, Michael.
0: Oh no! Poor Bill or Ted.
1: Yeah, and he attacks poor Ellie, and his brother has to put him down, Michael. Um, And spoil this is this is something that everybody on TikTok, Michael, I kept seeing you know uh, reactions to the Bill and Frank episode where they were like oh well at least the show can't break me any further and then everyone was like people who've played the games and just saw sam and henry come on screen they're just there weeping in the corner this is why michael this is why no so big brother has to take care of little brother and massive spoilers he cannot bear the weight of what he's done and he, he takes his own life michael it's terrible oh my
0: god ben you've just spoiled the whole thing that's what i'm really upset about
1: It's gut-wrenching, Michael. It's the worst stuff. Um, And it's it's just a phenomenal show, Michael. It's so well done. Bella Ramsey acts the crap out of it. She's very, very good. And Pedro Pascal is such a good, gruff, angry man. And considering how silly he is in real life, nails it.
0: Mm. Nails it consistently. One of the silliest men in the world. Benjamin, I hear that by 2030, all TV shows are going to be replaced by Pedro Pascal taking a special child somewhere.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm currently petitioning to have Pedro Pascal replace Ezra Miller in the Flash movie. Oh, very good. And Michael Keaton is going to be, uh, sorry, Supergirl is going to be played by Bella Ramsey and the Flash has to take her to the Fortress of Solitude.
0: The Fortress of Solitude. Very good, Benjamin. Benjamin, I'll tell you what we've both seen. Go on. We've both seen the film upon which the entire future of the MCU pivots. Oh God. The, fir- the first movie in the long-awaited palate cleanser that is Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase Five, Benjamin. The the all or nothing, the make or break, deciding moment in the future of Marvel movies and TV. The all right, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. Uh,
1: look, Michael. I- I'll be honest. Right, we went to see this on a whim, Go on. and b- both yes, of us, but I think. Remember. Both of us, I think it would be fair to say, have cape fatigue.
0: I don't know. I've been talk- I've been hearing a lot, I've been thinking a lot about superhero fatigue. I don't think I have superhero fatigue, Ben. I think Tell that genuinely these movies aren't as good. I think they're not as well written. They're not as well acted. They're not as well developed. They're pushing them out too quickly. A lot of it oh, yeah. feels very first drafty. They're often refilming scenes days before the the show was released um, I don't think I think it is easy and it is um, it's reductive to say this is superhero fatigue I thought the Batman was great for example mm, true um, it's just a lot of it is average to poor dross that's being churned out en masse like this movie was all right. Yeah. It it had some good bits. It had some bad bits. Yeah. It had some very bad bits. Um, it had some very strong bits. Overall, you know, one of the weaker Marvel movies. But not of the current generation. One of the okay Marvel movies of the current generation. But I don't, honestly don't believe it's superhero fatigue. I just think they're honestly not as good. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah. And this happens, and you and I talked about this five years ago, Ben. This podcast has been going so long. This happens to every genre. Yeah. Um, genres come and go, and genres will always come and go. And when genres are born, they're usually born with one or two big surprise hits. And then those hits lead on to a kind of golden age of the genre, where people really nail down what they like about it and then the genre dies a death under a multitude of bad films it's happened with cowboy films it happened with well, westerns i think is like one of the most obvious ones where you know there there's the nascent westerns where this idea is starting to form then there's a golden age then there's just tons and tons and tons of shit yeah um it happened with spy thrillers. It 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 just happens. It happens. This is human nature, and we are in a decline in superhero films at the moment. I feel, and it's it's not going to go away until they they're gone, and they come back in forty years.
1: Yeah. Do you think they get a resurgence? Do you think that's
0: going to happen? Oh, everything everything is cyclical and I think the resurgences are only going to get quicker and quicker so it might be 20 years but I think we are witnessing the beginning of the end. Like a lot of what's bad about this is feels like it could have been fixed if they spent a couple more years thinking about it and is because it's so derivative of its own
1: um, ideas. So this is what kind of fascinates me about it Michael is Marvel seems to be at a point where it's cannibalizing its own tropes.
0: Yes, very much so.
1: And I think that's fascinating. I don't know if writers think that audiences enjoy them referencing their own bits. And I I think there was certainly a little bit of that in Endgame and Infinity War, you know, when Captain America would do, you know something that he did in his second movie or a great example would be when um, Sam says, on your left, and comes through the portal, Mm. you know. Those are nice moments. Mm -hmm. Those are nice. That's a callback. But it's very much felt in the last couple of films, um, I'm thinking particularly of of Thor, Love and Thunder, and there were a few moments in, in this film where I went... This isn't a callback as much as a straight-up copy in the hope of getting the same thing. One of the things I'm thinking about in particular is where Cassie Lang does the Hulk thing with Loki. Mm. She does it to MODOK. Yeah, that
0: was... Uh, yeah, yeah. And it was a, a cut-for-cut... Smashing cut. them to the ground a couple of times. Yeah,
1: it was a cut-for-cut mm. cut remake of that. And I was like, um, why did you That's do unearned, that? That's unearned, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> why That's did
0: you do that? Unearned I, throwback. I don't understand... Um, um, I think what's interesting here, Ben, is these films are now trying to be nostalgic for kids who grew up with the first films and have never stopped watching them. Iron Man came out in 2008. Yeah. That was 15 years it's ago. It's not long enough, Michael. So, like kids, But kids who were like six or seven watching Iron Man are now coming into the... Adults with money to spend demographic. So these films are trying to be nostalgic about their own past. This isn't like, you know, The Phantom Menace being nostalgic about the first Star Wars trilogy where there was a gap of 15 years with no Star Wars. Yeah. So this is... I I think this might be the first time that this has ever happened where, well, maybe Transformers is a good one, G.I. Joe. But it's... You know, it's it's trying to it's staying within its own continuity, yeah. and trying to be nostalgic for the people who were kids when they saw those first movies. It's weird. It's a weird situation to find itself in. It's
1: eating its own tail, my It's
0: real weird in a, in a way, and unfortunately, a lot of what's not good about this, I think, is lays firmly on the the blame, lays firmly at the feet of Thor Ragnarok's unexpected success. Yeah. There's a lot of Thor Ragnarok DNA in this. Too much. It's like Thor spunked all over it, Benjamin. There's so much DNA in it. Bloody Paul um, Wood
1: got into a transformation chamber and a little a little Chris Hemsworth Thor got in there with him and he came out like the fly. It's awful.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like tell me how this revolution that they have, been isn't the cast of weird characters who are gladiators in in
1: Thor. But that's that's all it like, is, Michael. That's that's it. Yeah. Um That's Except this time they
0: do the revolution
1: obviously. And it, it got- well they do the revolution. They do the revolution in the other one.
0: They do the revolution in the other one.
1: They Michael this is beat for beat at Thor Ragnarok in a slightly different font. It's Yeah, it's so close. It's very strange. Uh, one of the one of the things that was pointed out we we went to see it with a good friend of the podcast Jim. Yes, and yeah, he loves the film Jim Jim said to me, "Did you like all that Star Wars in it Ben?" And I went, yeah, holy shit bags. It's just Star yeah. Wars, Michael. The entire second act of that film is Star Wars. There's a lot of star Wars. It's
0: very strange. I hope you got we heard you guys like Cantinas, so we put some Star Wars up in your marvels it's It's
1: oh, it's a bizarre thing, michael um, so we'll go through it, I suppose from the beginning the The very simple plot of this um Michael is that Janet Janet Van Dyne is is back with the family that she left behind many many years ago after going into the quantum realm mm. and Cassie is out with something to prove Um Cassie really leans heavily on the I'm going to change the world because you don't do anything anymore dad. And like fl- yeah. flicks the finger at her dad, and it's like, oh yeah. And then they all decide to show her Scott dad, what-
0: who was like pretty much single handedly saved the entire universe.
1: G- but you know, but they give him yeah, a hard but, time you know. about that, which I find really, really funny. If it's I weird. saved the universe, Michael, you would never yeah. hear the fucking end of it. Well,
0: I, but that seems to be the joke about this. It's like he saved the universe, but he's not doing as much as her because she shrunk a cop car, and cops are bastards. Uh,
1: a cab, baby.
0: <laughs> like it's crazy, and everyone's like supporting her. I tell you, Ben. I when I went home, I hated Cassie. I didn't hate her so much while watching it because, like a lot of the kind of young Marvel characters, she's not obnoxious. Oh, I, I, I completely
1: but, disagree, Michael. That's so interesting. I found her go on. thoroughly unlikable. I.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I did afterwards. I don't it's think like she's a very good
1: actress, and I think she really let down sections of that film. Hmm.
0: But there's a lot about her character that just, again, unearned is a lot of it. Like, as a long-term Marvel fan, Ben Ant Man didn't get big in his first film. You'll remember, he did. He, and then, oh no, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't get big in his first film, and then he got to the size of about a jumbo jet in his second film. Yeah. Um, no, sorry, he got the size of a jumbo jet in Civil War. He got about the size of a tall office block in in Ant-Man 2 and he got the biggest he'd yet been in Endgame
1: yeah to take on the big fellas
0: to take on the big fellas and then in this he got absolutely gigantic
1: yeah he becomes a behemoth of a human or behemoth behemoth of a human being
0: behemoth behemoth but then Cassie just does it yeah not a bother to her In her sleep (laughs) Not a bother to it Yeah Hank can't do it A wasp can't do it Cassie can do it though Because she Invented a quantum Satellite In
1: her basement On her own Here's what fascinates me About that Michael She's not genetically Related to Hank Pym No She's not a genius She's a regular (laughs) person Yes Scott is an Intelligent hacker He's not a quantum Scientist (laughs)
0: Well, she's a quantum scientist, Ben, and she's the best at getting big and shrinking. And she's an activist. So that'll speak to the kids. This whole thing feels like it was written by Steve Buscemi with a skateboard and a baseball cap. There's a lot of
1: Hello Fellow Kids vibes to this. One of the things I think that this suffers from massively, Michael, is this this has a real love and thunder syndrome. I'm going to call it lots from now on. This has lots syndrome. Okay. And what I mean by that is there's two different cuts of a film happening here. Um, very
0: much so Yeah.
1: and one of the one of the things that we're getting a few times in this Michael is two very different films happening at two very different times so um, spoilers that you can see from the trailer but they get sucked into the quantum realm by Kang because Kang wants out mm. oh I thought they just got sucked off um, this plane of existence yeah, no no they got sucked down below um, by Kang <laughs> don't you give me that mm. dirty little goblin face Michael How dare you? How dare you? Um, But anyway, anyway, they get separated. Janet, Hope, and Hank get some family time and bloody Paul Rudd and Cassie get some family time as well. It's about reconciling with your family how people disappoint you and how you may have been wrong about your parents. Maybe maybe they had to make some hard calls. Do you ever think about that? Cassie Lang? Do you ever think of that? Hope Van Dyne?
0: Hmm. Do you ever think of just telling people what's going on, Michelle Pfeiffer? Just tell them what's going on, please. Benjamin, she spends the first hour and 40 minutes refusing to tell anyone what's going on. They could have solved this whole film a lot sooner if she just told them what was going on. Even when there's like, we're going to meet someone. Who is it? I can't tell you. And he gets off the ship like a second later. Why? Why
1: couldn't she tell her?
0: I don't think she knew Ben I think when they were <laughs> writing it they, they, when they were writing it and they got to that line they didn't know what she was going to know there was the- and they never went back and did another pass of the script and said fill all that in all the bits where she said I, I can't tell but, you but like, just fill it Michael, in
1: Michael one of the things that makes no sense is she won't even say Kang's name she won't say anything Ben and then her claim is she- to keep you safe what the fuck do you mean keep me he's safe he's not psychic He's he's not he's not Voldemort. He doesn't gain power when you remember him. Like it's not a thing. Yeah. But anyway, we call, we go through all this and blah blah blah. Um, Michael, there's two different scenes happening. So um, Cassie and Scott end up with the revolutionaries, and Janet kind of ends up in the clutches of Kang. That's the whole vibe. But Michael, there's a whole scene. Right, um, Ant Man is marched into the. The drum circle with all the Thor Ragnarok extras um, yeah, um yeah, there, yeah. because someone basically said, we can save a lot of money on this if we just spray paint all Thor Ragnarok the- costumes. That'll, that'll yeah, sort as yeah, is, won't
0: yeah. it? Get Korg in, get Meek, they, get him in as well. They
1: basically did. Whoever that British laser head guy was, was their Korg. And then mm. the little Meek thing was played by David Dalmatian. He's the little goo boy. Mm. Um, yeah, I know
0: you telling me that or are you telling the listeners? I'm
1: telling the listeners. I'm telling the listeners. David Dalmatian no, is in there. there. He's just he's just mm-hmm. a little goo boy. And come here to me, Michael. What's happening there is, um, and then all we see from Cassie is, Dad, you've got to drink the ooze. Where was the whole scene where Cassie did that? Why, why mm. were we not shown that? Why is Cassie so willing? First of all, terrible life advice to teach children that, hey, sometimes you've got to take a risk. You know, just drink no, the ooze, baby. Drink that ooze. Don't do just that. drink the ooze. <laughs> don't do that. No, don't. No, if people form a circle around
0: you and say "drink the ooze," absolutely, absolutely, 100% do don't not drink do that.
1: Do not listen to strange alien people who tell you to drink the ooze. From from what I remember, Ben,
0: that's where AIDS actually came from. <laughs> so uh, so a, a group of people just formed a circle and said, "Drink the ooze."
1: But Michael, it's it's so bizarre that this all happens, and these two different films are happening, and we're supposed to care all the time. Oh, it's bizarre. So, basically, the the leader of that, whose name I don't think we even got, the warrior woman?
0: Saskatchewan? Saskaskia? Is she some kind of famous character from Marvel? Ben, I'll tell you what. We're we're scraping the bottom of even my knowledge of... um, bit characters from Marvel she might be but it didn't ring a bell for me I
1: think these characters were made up Michael and in Ragnarok all characters are made up no no but I I think these characters are made up for this film and one of that's fine that's what most characters are it is fine but it's interesting because in in Guardians of the Galaxy and in Thor Ragnarok which are essentially DNA of each other extrapolated into different points one of the things mm. they always did was they had weird B characters from the comics come in and fill small roles. I don't think there was a Crylac in the comics. I don't think there was a Saskatchewan warrior woman.
0: <laughs> I think that Laserhead guy is from the comics from the Microverse. The thing, there's a little thing about the Microverse Ben, that adds a little bit of a twist to it in that it was a Marvel, sorry, the Quantum it, it, the Quantum Universe is that what they call it here, the yeah, Quantum the Quantum Realm zone, Quantum Realm. The quantum realm is based on the microverse, and the microverse was a Marvel licensed product, not a Marvel product. Oh, what's that? So there's kind of like in in the olden days, Marvel would be licensed to make a toy line, and they would introduce them those characters from the toy line into the comic books oh. as part of the Marvel universe. That's why the first four episodes of the Transformers comic take place in the Marvel universe. That's bizarre. The tran the Transformers were introduced as Marvel characters and they were like coexisting with Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four and everyone else. And then later they spun off. And the the microverse characters were like that too. And then Marvel later lost or sold the rights and therefore had to kind of rename everything and kind of start from scratch because they owned a lot of the concepts but not the characters. I think the most famous is Rom Space Knight. Like oh, yeah, 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 ben, yeah. And, and Bug, among others.
1: I, d- I don't know them. Mic- but anyway, uh,
0: I'll tell you what, Ben. One <laughs> of the on. most bizarre things about this whole thing is that that was the design they went with for Modoc. I oh. could not, I could not believe my eyes. Ben, I just absolutely, 100%, could not believe that that made it into a big budget film. Not that it was wrong that he was freaky looking. My contention is he was nowhere near freaky looking looking enough. So
1: strange, Michael.
0: It was just what's his name? Corey Stoll's head poorly photoshopped on. It was bizarre and terrifying but not in a creepy unsettling moducky sort of way. In a is this really what they've gone with? Yeah. Sort of way.
1: It, it, the special effects in general in this one, Michael, are... There's too many... <laughs> there's once, Too many special effects. Once they get to the quantum realm, Michael, you're just awash in effect after effect after effect. The action sequences were very hard to track. Um, From the opening one with Michelle Pfeiffer where she's kind of trekking through the quantum realm and she finds Kang to Cassie and Scott escaping Modoc in the refugee camp. It, it, there's so much bizarre CGI going on here, Michael. And you can't keep... Jonathan Majors is 90% CGI.
0: <laughs> I think that's also true in real life, though. Have you ever seen him, Ben? That's not natural.
1: He's jacked, Michael. He is yeah, the most ripped man jacked. I've ever seen. He's got muscles I didn't know exist. Absolutely terrifying.
0: Having said that, though, one of my big issues with it as well was that by setting the entirety of it in the quantum realm and the quantum realm being so weird and, you know, hard to relate to, it took a bit of the sting out of a lot of what was happening. Like, sure, Scott got huge, but how big was he? We'll never
1: know, Michael. It doesn't, like, there's there's no... There's no way for There's us to-, to
0: really parse it
1: against I mean, we don't know how big Kang's fortress... Like, the world building is very unearned, Michael. Like, I think they thought, okay, we've introduced a few different scenes here. That's good world building. Now it makes sense. No, you didn't. You put a bunch of character designs in a hat. You picked some out and you said, oh, look at this big, diverse microcosm. It's not world building. Like, it's not. We don't see how Kang rose to power. We don't see how Kang... All we understand is, oh, Kang is real dangerous. (laughs) Whoa. <laughs> I tell you what though
0: There are a couple of good bits And Go Kang himself is probably my favourite bit
1: Kang is definitely Jonathan Majors saved that film In the extreme
0: I thought Kang was good I still like Scott I think Scott Lang is very good yeah. um, Hank's aunts coming to play was kind of fun um, It's nice to see Michelle Pfeiffer At 60 whatever she is In an action role as well Fair play to her
1: Fair play to her. It's unfortunate to see Evangeline Lilly in any role um, but you know.
0: (laughs) And uh, I loved the flying houses that were alive. I thought they were great.
1: (laughs) They were a fun concept. I bet Taika Waititi was looking at it and going
0: fuck.
1: Oh Oh, that would have been good. Uh,
0: Flying houses flying houses like that look like big flying dicks Just Big flying
1: dickards um <laughs> the, the whole thing no there were like i I went into the film in fairness Michael I went in the film expecting something much worse um yeah. from based on the reviews and the the bashing that it was getting online it's better than love and thunder
0: way better than love and
1: thunder. way better I than mean, love and thunder we've,
0: We've had a bit of a whinge here, but I still thought it was better than Love and Thunder. It was better than Eternals. It was better than Black Widow, I would say. I had
1: Easily, easily um, better than Black Widow.
0: I mean, the plot was boring, let's be honest. And I did, I could not like Cassie for no matter what you said. And, you know, it yeah, it, it all felt a bit disjointed and removed from reality. And it was not... It, but at least it was visually interesting. At least some of the aliens were kind of interesting, and stuff happened. And but yeah, not not terrible. Not the worst thing I've ever seen. Despite the whinge we've just had for the last fifteen minutes. Yeah. But not 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 a good film though. Not overall a good film.
1: Very disjointed. Very hard to keep up with. Look, um, to be honest, Cassie is just—it's just such a boring role for her. Like she doesn't do much other than. Mary Sue a bit, and Evangeline Lilly is just not interesting. I found it so interesting, Michael, that we didn't even get the on-screen kiss anymore in, in this film. At the end, he just gives the love of his life a, 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 an L squeeze. And he's like, oh, pat on the shoulder. I, I love you, Hope. And Hope is like, oh, I, I love you too, uh, Paul. I mean, Scott, um, you're, oh, yeah. it's a great. Uh, <laughs> it's very strange. We not kiss, though. I think her role. I I think they definitely, probably, responded probably a little bit too much to the fan backlash of Ant Man and the Wasp, where people are like, "Why is the Wasp getting so much time? Why is the Wasp so much better than, than Ant Man?" It's like, well, she's been training a lot longer and she understands the tech a lot longer. But they definitely minimized that in this. It, 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 she had they a did much... by just
0: making they just made Cassie better than everyone.
1: Yeah. So I don't know, it was interesting. I enjoyed it. I didn't feel the the 2 hours that it took as much as I thought it would. I, um Kang is a delight. Jonathan Majors definitely has the charisma to be a villain in the multiverse. Like I really the the, the after credit scene is ridiculous. <laughs>
0: But, <laughs> yeah, Ho- hopefully you don't see too much of those fellas again.
1: <laughs> but very funny. <laughs> and yeah, I don't no, know what ooh, direction Jonathan Majors was given, but it was like, make one of them mm. British, make one of them uh, Mumra from She-Ra, and yeah. make, one yeah. of them, <laughs> make one of them lascivious and gay in a very awkward stereotype <laughs> of a 60s homosexual. Do that for me. Very strange <laughs> shit <laughs> very going on. strange choices. Benjamin! Yeah.
0: We we put up a poll and we asked the listeners what what do they think was the best Shrinky film of
1: all time and we who did. won? Uh, number one was. Uh, uh, no, Michael, this is awful. <laughs> Have you seen the what poll? Is it? What's wrong? <laughs> for, the the today, for the longest time today, for the longest time today, Michael. We were at 25, 25, 25, and 25. It's finally shifted for us. Yeah. It's it's finally shifted for us. So we asked people, we gave them four choices, Michael. We said number one, Ant-Man. Number two, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Number three, The Borrowers. Number four, Alice in Wonderland. Um, resoundingly, Michael, Ant-Man, best shrinking yeah. film. 40, oh, go on out of that. 42%. 42%.
0: 42% of all the votes said Antoine. Yeah. That's obviously we're attracting the wrong audience, Ben, because the correct answer is Honey, I Shrunk the kids That
1: is number two at
0: 25%. Oh, very good. Okay.
1: And then classic film The Borrowers is 17. The
0: thing about The Borrowers, Ben, is that no one does any shrinking in the yeah, borrowers.
1: Yeah, it's true. They're just small. It's true. It's true. I've you probably should have put
0: inner space there, Ben.
1: Inner space. I've never seen inner space, Michael never seen it
0: Dennis Quaid has to go into Steve Martin Still oh Steve god Martin, the other one Martin Short
1: oh god in a little ship
0: it's Grant in a little ship it's Grant um, Alice
1: in Wonderland was the last one there and that got 17% uh, as well give or take um, we also Benjamin asked Michael I tell you what though um, that's fine though
0: because shrinking is not a big part of the plot of Alice in Wonderland
1: no it's not huge Michael it's just a little just a little snippet exactly yeah 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 but Michael well, what else did we ask no that was the other thing we asked is, uh, was Ant-Man and Mania uh, better than Honey I Shrunk the Kids two votes 22% said yes not as good as Honey I Shrunk the Kids uh, 33% of the votes said that one um, about the same as Honey I Shrunk the Kids those people are categorically wrong Michael um, 22% <laughs> and what even is Honey I Shrunk the Kids 23% how dare people <laughs> Don't you come up to us Benjamin, and say you don't know.
0: Don't be coming up to us saying you don't know what Honey I Shrunk the Kids is about. Ben, you hadn't seen Honey I Shrunk the Kids is what we were that's where we left it last week. Yeah. Have you since then, Ben, seen and I I think I know what the answer this is going to be, but have you since then seen Joe Johnson's seminal nineteen eighty nine Honey I Shrunk the Kids?
1: Yes I did. I went and watched it, Michael, because we're doing an episode of Exhumed. Uh,
0: oh you watched this issue. I've watched the whole very good. film, did you like Michael it?
1: yeah I loved it Did you, you see, like now, I'm, it I'm utterly biased in this one Michael because I had a worn out RTE1 big big movie recording of Honey I Shrunk the Kids when I was a kid and I watched the ever loving Christ out of that film many many times <laughs> so what very good what I got Michael when I sat down to watch this for our weekly pop culture podcast was just a wave mm. of dopamine nostalgia <laughs> It's just, that's, that's all I got. I was just like, oh, I remember I te- this. Oh, I remember this.
0: But I tell you what, though, it's actually quite a good film. And some Great. of what's really nice about it, some of what's nice about it and some of what's good about it, you almost get hints of it in um, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. funnily enough. Uh, like, at its heart, this film is a teen's adventure, kind of like a romancing the stone but the but adventure kids. across with for kids, exactly. Like it's a terrifying adventure across a inhospitable jungle full of monsters and dangers and terrifying creatures and traps and falls, but it just happens to be a back garden. Yeah. And that's feckin' great. And you nearly get a little bit of the feeling of that at the start of Quantum Mania when they first land in the quantum realm and you think this is going to be an adventure across the quantum realm but they get pulled out of it very quickly into the the kind of boring rebellion subplot yeah, into star wars into star wars exactly that's it but in this it stays this way and it it just is a goonies-esque or a you know a, a romancing the stone-esque jaunt for two hours, interspersed with a mildly amusing comedy about Rick Moranis trying to find his shrunken children,
1: Michael. There's so much. There's so much like this. This. This is really like an all-American film in the strangest way. Like it's set in the suburbs. It's a. It's an unidentified suburb in America, somewhere. There's the all-American. The, there's probably the over-American family next door in the Thompsons, and then there's the. <laughs> The nerds next door in the Zelinsky's, and, and that's what we get. Um, this is this is the thing that introduced me to Rick Moranis. I didn't know Rick Moranis from the likes of Little Shop of Horrors or anything else, Spaceballs. Like I'd never seen those. Um, yeah, so no,
0: this is this would have been this would have been the introduction to Rick Moranis for a generation of children.
1: Yeah. Um, and one of the things I never picked up when I was younger, Michael, he's in a terrible marriage. Yeah yeah yeah. I I Well you wouldn't pick it up then. You would have been blind to it as a child. I was completely blind to it, Michael. I didn't realize his wife had gone to sleep on her mother's couch out of yeah, sheer yeah. frustration. Yeah, but
0: I think it's a little bit of frustration, but she also, there's a hint that she was finishing a deal or something. And
1: yeah, and the kids picked it up wrong or something or some weird yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so mm. very interesting, Michael. But when, one of the things I love the most is the, the 80s inventions. The uh, So at the beginning of this, Michael, I'm here looking at it going like, why would you over-engineer this so much? Like, why would you create a buzzer? To ring upstairs to the attic or why would you create a little fucking ticket tape machine that you can type on? And I was like, there's no fucking phones in 1989, Ben. They- <laughs> <laughs> no one's doing handies. There's, there's no WhatsApp, man. And that's what it was. Yeah. And the, the joy that the writers must have had when they were like pitching the, the the kind of future predictions, like, oh, can you imagine if you could just type on something and send it downstairs? How handy would that be? Oh, little did they know, Michael.
0: My, they were miles off. I tell you what. Though, we're talking about shrinking. We're talking about shrinking this week. Go on. And this is the best shrinking adventure film there's ever been. And a large part of it is because okay, with with 2023 technology, we can really see when there are matte paintings and when there are, you know, digital compositions. I don't know if they would have been digital compositions. They wouldn't. It's just there.
1: trickery. It's just classic old-fashioned uh, no, nah, there would to have a bit of digital trickery. The B, I think, maybe,
0: um, maybe, maybe the B. But um, the sense of scale that they make with the full-size oh. tiny pro- giant props—it's great, and it's just fantastic when they're climbing up the leaves or they're running across the floorboards in the in the attic. Just fecking great. So not very
1: realistic. No, but pound for pound, best shrinking stuff going.
0: <laughs> yeah, just practical and real looking and not like Mania, where when they're in a weird alien CG landscape anyway. So when everyone's shrinking, it just feels like, yeah, whatever. Okay, that seems normal. But in this, when they get shrunk down to their little tiny size and they're in that giant world or they're sleeping in a Lego piece... Or I always hated the bit where they find the cigarette butt and use it to make torches. Oh, it's terrible! It's terrible because I'm thinking, oh, imagine the smell of that. That's, that's but here's
1: it's. here's one of the interesting things that you've stumbled upon. Ant Man has lost that charm. The shrinking mm. doesn't matter one fucking jot in Quantum Mania. No.
0: Not a jot
1: One of the great things About the first Ant-Man And one of the things I distinctly remember enjoying Was the silly little jokes About Ant-Man being too small Like the the bits where You know The big peril of the The train coming towards him And it's a children's toy And he still has the density Mm. Of a fully grown man So it just falls over That was hilarious
0: Yeah yeah Like Or the cat chasing him
1: Or Or the cat chasing him Or the bathtub Yeah Yeah that was great. Like, that was really enjoyable stuff. And they just stripped it out in the other two. Then it was just a cool reason to, like, disappear and reappear and, like, pop someone in the and jaw. do a high kick.
0: Yeah, and exactly. And it just became like Shrinky Kung Fu rather than about the world from his perspective. And that's what you really get in this. Yeah. Because those kids get shrunk and then they go off on their romantic adventure and whatever they do and they stay
1: shrunk the whole time.
0: And it's fantastic. And I tell you what, Ben also contains one of the most tragic scenes of all time.
1: I was just about to ask you, Michael, what scene do you think doesn't fucking belong in that film? What scene hit you out of left field and just went... The death of Auntie. The death of Auntie is horrific! Absolutely
0: soul-wrenching. Why would you do that to us? Benjamin, this was Disney films in the 90s, in the late 80s, early 90s. They wanted to traumatise us. Terrifying scorpions, big giant bees coming to get you, making friends with an ant, and then he got killed saving their lives. They wanted to take you on an emotional roller coaster, and it very much did. And Ant-Man, famously Benjamin Ant-Man, replicated having an ant friend who gets killed.
1: Anthony, poor old
0: Anthony. So I have emotionally invested. I have emotionally invested in two ants in cinema history who've got killed. It's bizarre. Like and I cared so
1: much. They did and it in ten minutes.
0: I know, it's incredible. Auntie is barely in it, but before I sat down to watch it I thought, okay, I know this ant dies so I'm going to gird myself so I'm ready for this aunt to die and it, it hit me nearly as much as a 40 year old as it did when I was 10 it
1: got me Michael I got a, I got sucker punched by it when the little kid they do the slow pull out Michael the, it, it's the slow pull out on the scene there's no there's no dialogue there's no it's just a small child sobbing over the corpse of his aunt and every, it and pulls friend. out slowly through the, gra- and it's just the big brother. And the big brother has the most heart-wrenching thing. He tries to pat him on the back and he realizes how feeble his attempts at human comfort are in this, mor- in this mortal moment, in this moment where death has come knocking. And you're just like, oh God, oh, we're all just at the whim of death. Oh. Shocking. Oh, absolutely horrible stuff,
0: man. Absolutely horrible. That scorpion
1: stuff. was the stuff of fucking nightmares, Michael.
0: Abs, terrifying. Nothing like it in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania to frighten the kids. Absolutely sheer terror caused by that scorpion. Um, I'll tell you what though, Buffy's mom is
1: in it. But Joyce Summers is there. I was watching it and I went, <laughs> oh my god, that's Joyce fucking Summers. <laughs> <laughs> What's Joyce Summers doing in this? And why does
0: she look the same age 12 years earlier?
1: <laughs> Joyce Summers continuing her streak as worst on-screen mum ever. <laughs> um, just just someone find worst. those kids, <laughs> oh God, so interesting, my god, there's so many though. things going on in this film um Rick Moranis is is such an enjoyable kind of uh, footy duddy kind of individual um but uh, there's there's so many. That subplot between the parents is is a real thing for parents, where you know it's just worried parents. You just get to see their slow degradation from "I'm a silly character" to "Oh shit, my kids are missing." Oh god.
0: Yeah, where are my kids? Are they very small?
1: Are they very small, or are they just gone? Are they just, has someone yeah. stolen my kids? Um, it's, it's very very interesting film. Very good, Michael holds up quite well. Hmm,
0: it does, doesn't it? Um. The music is interesting, though, isn't it? Because the music is very... Um, I don't know if it's influential or just similarly derivative as other Disney's films from the same period. But it, it stirred a lot of memories. I mean, there's a lot of the Aladdin soundtrack in it. And I think it predates Aladdin. There is. But I don't think it... I don't think it's... I don't know enough about music to know what's going on. I don't know if that's just what movies sounded like in the late 80s, early 90s. But... Um, it has yeah. the definitive Disney sound from that time. Big brass. Big bras. Everyone everyone was wearing big bras. <laughs> yeah. So one of the interesting things about that, Michael. Madonna.
1: One of the most interesting things about that is that entire opening sequence is kind of revolutionary at that time in 1989. You know, you have the cartoon of the kids being shrunk down in that kind of atomic family mm-hmm. 1950s cartoon style. And yes. um, Disney got sued for the opening soundtrack um, because it was heavily based on a jazz piece that was out at that time. Um, and he sued them mm. and they settled out of court um, because apparently it <laughs> was fairly lifted. Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the guy, the music composer, was apparently a bit of a well-known
1: lifter. Oh, was he? He liked now lift.
0: Yeah, apparently he was a bit of a fond of. A li- He's dead now, so we won't speak too ill of him. But apparently, ah, yeah, him. he was a bit notorious <laughs> as a. He was a bit notorious as a bit of a lifter. All right. Um, <laughs> it spawned a couple of sequels, Ben. Neither of them was good. Both shite, Michael. <laughs> yeah, that's what
1: I meant. the The third one, the third one is in 1997, Michael. A full five years after the second one. Um, mm. and they recast everybody but
0: Rick Moranis. Yeah, I I think um, the, the, the lead actress, the girl, Amy O'Neill, is that her name? She gave up acting shortly she after. She did. This she went. Because she could she could only get exploitative roles. Yeah. Do you know what she became,
1: Michael? What did she become, Ben? She ran off and joined the circus. Was she doing flips like Stephen J. Cadwell? <laughs> yeah, like Stephen J. Cadwell. She went off and she joined the circus, Michael. Yeah, she's Come still in the circus here. to this day. Do you know what age she is today, Michael? fifty one bang on the money, Michael J. Leonard, well played <laughs> yeah, well, Benjamin, I'm just saying
0: I was nine when this came out, so that character, whose name I couldn't have told you, but that that whole teen romance was probably the most formative thing that ever happened to me. I think that is where I learned that if you are just responsible and brave, you'll be irresistible to women
1: you, but you you are irresistible to women, Michael, because you're very brave.
0: But only because I'm responsible and brave,
1: Ben, are my enormous muscles. It's it's mostly the muscles. Um ladies and gentlemen, speaking of Michael's muscles, let's wrap mm, this up. That's true. Um so uh Here we go. Uh, What did you think, ladies and gentlemen, of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Is it pure 80s nostalgia for you? Do you dream of electric scorpions? And do you mourn Anthony to this day? No, auntie. Sorry, auntie. Anthony is the other thing. Um, What was the most tragic on-screen death of an ant for you, ladies and gentlemen? What did you think? (laughs) (laughs) Let us know in a couple of different places. Woody Allen in Ants. (laughs) You can find us on the interwebs at www. There's actually a surprising amount of ants in film. I'm just thinking of A Bug's Life and Yeah, yeah. Bug's Life too, yeah. We're going to have to do an exome episode on ants. That was a bizarre film. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, you can get... Them, Ben. What? Them, about the giant ant invasion. (laughs) <laughs> Alright, next week's episode is all about ants, ladies and gentlemen, ant mania. That's Sweet. what we're going to call it, Antomania. mania. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you can get in touch with us in a few different places. You can find us on the interwebs at www.shomerbiog.com. It means tiny room and I. Does indeed. You can find us at Sherlock Listen Podcast. Where? On Instagram. Sorry, that would be good. Yes. Yeah, yeah, um the yeah. best place ladies and gentlemen to get in touch with mm. us the best damn place. Oh, we're on TikTok, Michael. I forgot that. Sorry. We're on TikTok. We're I, on TikTok, would you Sure, should, should listen. Um, and, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us, the best place to get in touch with us and hear our witty barbs against each other all the time, like a scorpion's barb through a little ant's back. Um, you can oh, find no. it on the Discord. Get up there on that Discord. Link down below.
0: Hop up on it. The link is in the description below. That's it
1: from us this week, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. I'll
0: see you all, as they say next Tuesday.